0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Nursing Matters with me, Rachel Hollis. I'm the chair of the Royal College of Nursing Professional Nursing Committee. I'm a children's cancer nurse and I live in North Yorkshire. Welcome first to my co-host, Carolyn Middleton, Professional Nursing Committee member for Wales and the first time on the podcast. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you, Rachel. On our last episode of Nursing Matters, we talked about public sector pay and the RCN's campaign for Fair Pay for Nursing, From September the 15th, RCM members working in the NHS right across the UK will be balloted on whether to take industrial action in response to the current pay dispute. This week, we'll hear the story of a nurse who was involved in industrial action in Northern Ireland in 2019. So welcome to our special guest, Edna Grant. Hello, Edna. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Edna. And thanks so much for giving up your precious day off to join us on the podcast today. Oh, you're very welcome. In 2019, RCN members in Northern Ireland embarked on industrial action in a bid to secure pay parity with the rest of the UK and to secure the introduction of safe staffing measures to support patient safety and improve health outcomes. This was the first time in the RCN's 100 plus years of history that members went on strike. Nursing pay in Northern Ireland had fallen behind the rest of the UK and chronic short staffing meant patients were being treated in hospital corridors, nurses were struggling with excessive caseloads, patient care was being compromised. RCN members and other health workers successfully undertook three days of strike action at the end of 2019 and into January 2020. And as a direct result, the government agreed to restore pay parity with nursing staff in England and to implement a series of measures to improve safe staffing. Edna, back in 2019, when the ballot paper came through the door asking whether you would vote for strike action, what was your initial reaction? Um, Disbelief
1: that it had come to that. It was very daunting. It was an option when, at that stage, options for nurses were very
0: limited. Did you have any concerns about the prospect of going on strike
1: yes we were a lot of tears rachel a lot of tears it was very daunting it's what we do how do we do this without affecting patient care and the Mm -hmm. answer to that was patient care has already been affected Mm -hmm. there are already risks out there and there is no solution on any table that we're sitting at at the minute to find out how we get a resolution to this um Patients were already at risk. And I think when you got your head around that, Rachel, and realised things are really, really bad, this is an option that we believe will make things better. If you are only given one choice, it's very easy then to move forward. If your options are so limited and there's only one option left,
0: the decision's really made at that stage, isn't it? And you felt that that was the position you were in at Northern Ireland at, at the time, that all other options had been exhausted? I honestly do
1: believe that all of the talking that went on pre-ballot mm-hmm. and all the conversations that would ha- that were had, we, every time there was another conversation, we were so hopeful of a better outcome. And we had no government sitting at that stage. So we, we were very limited in who we could speak to, who had power to do anything for us. Every time we built up hope that we wouldn't have to do this, we, we ended up back at the same table saying right no sorry there's no other resolution for you at that time there was an awful lot of talking you know the rcn were coming back to us saying these are the members what do you want you know tell us what you need Uh, Mm. and they went and, and did all the groundwork they did all the background work they did all the talking and they fed that all back to us so we were being reassured at every level and every avenue was exhausted before we came to a strike and I think it made it easier when you knew that every other avenue had been exhausted and the RCN were very clear about that to their members. You know, we we, we cannot find another way.
0: And that was talking about those twin issues, really, of pay parity and of the staffing levels that you were working with at the time. It was, yeah. Staff aren't
1: going to stay if they can't get a recognised pay and if, if there's other options opened where they can get better pay, you're going to expect people to leave to do that. And that's what was happening. and, And there was no other way around it.
2: Thanks, Edna. You've clearly um, been able to talk a little bit to us about that link between pay and your decision-making around industrial action. I just want to pick up on a couple of the things that you've said. You, You said that your initial feelings were that of disbelief. You found the thoughts of industrial action being really daunting. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your journey in moving from that Great uncertainty about voting in favour of industrial action and moving towards a greater confidence in terms of voting for industrial action? I think what we've seen and what we felt at that time,
1: Carolyn, was a uniting of nurses, uh, a joint workforce, joint thinking, unbelievable support for each other. It wasn't one person making a decision, this is going to happen, it was everybody agreeing. And thinking this was the best way forward, so we went from constantly talking about how do we do this um, to knowing how we were going to do it. It was it was simplified for us, Carolyn. You know, we went to the RCN and said, "How do you think this is going to look?" I work as a district nurse, what happens on the first day of the strike? And they come back and said, Right, you work the first day of the strike as you would a Christmas day. Prioritize your patients the same way, put your staff and levels out your same way, and that is derogation. They explained all of that to us. And it, I suppose it's a mentality of what nurses are. If you tell us how to do something, if you tell us what way it works, we can then we are flexible workers, we are strong. People and we can make that work. We can bring that down to the level of nursing care, and we can make that work. And I think once that picture was painted to us, as in this is how it is going to work, that relieved an awful lot of the, the fear because then we we could go into action. Then we we knew what we were doing. We had a plan. We could prioritize our patients. We could ensure that there was somebody out there while bringing the rest of the girls to the picket line, which is where they wanted to be and what they had voted to do. So once that was put in place, Carolyn, it was right okay. We know what we're doing now.
2: Thank you. And I'm going to come back to that um, covering of the work a, a little later in the podcast. But just to continue at the moment, Edna, um, you, you mentioned earlier um, to Rachel that patient safety was one of the prime reasons for moving towards that decision to vote for industrial action. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? You said that patient care had already been affected, I think were your words. Can you just enlarge a little bit on that for us? I think, Carolyn, we were all
1: aware at that stage that we didn't have the staffing levels. We didn't have safe staffing in order to provide the level of care that we wanted for our patients. There was a lot of gaps in the service and the expectation was that the the staff who were available would fill those gaps. You had a depleted workforce, but the standard of care still had to be maintained. The service still had to be run. There was no light at the end of that tunnel. It was do more, do more, and when you finish doing more, there's a bit more to do. It was relentless. And the standard of, of care that we want and choose to provide for our patients was being compromised because we didn't have the resources to do that. So the patients were already being at risk, surgeries were being cancelled, treatment was not being supplied for for our cancer patients. It's on record, Carolyn, that all of that was already happening. So our patients were already at risk with no light at the end of the tunnel. When you go home from work having a good day at work it's because you've you've been able to do your job to the standard and level that you wanted to but if you continuously turn up to work and you you feel that you're not doing that it's soul destroying and people that is why people i believe that is why people leave the service because they they can't provide the care that they feel they they are able to do with the right
2: resources Edna, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how trust managers felt about RCN members taking that vote for industrial action. And in particular, look, were there any particularly tricky moments that occurred where with your senior colleagues um, around the strike action? Nobody
1: believed that nurses would strike. Nurses didn't believe that they would strike. so. There was a lot of talk about it, but I honestly don't think that anybody believed it would actually happen and then it did, and management were left having to have conversations with r c n senior management and senior managers were talking for their members for us as a team of district nurses. we decided what we were going to do and how we were going to do it guided by what the rcn had put in place which was the derogation so we decided as a team how we were going to do it and that was what we moved forward with well i suppose it was very fearful in one way but we got a sense that we could do it we got a sense that we are now in control of our patient care we are now actively doing something to make change and I think that was very much to the forefront of it all. If we do this we will achieve change. There are
2: better days ahead. The day before the first one was terrifying. It sounds as if with the support of your colleagues and the RCN you found a way um, to be able to get through those really difficult feelings that
0: you had at the outset. Edna, you've mentioned this word derogation. It's something that you obviously became really familiar with in, in Northern Ireland, but will be you know, a concept that's less familiar, I guess, to many of our listeners and to other RCN members in the other parts of the, the UK. And could you just explain to us what derogation is? Derogation was an
1: agreement that... The RCN came to with management on how a service could be provided safely, and the number of staff that would be required to run that service safely on the strike day. It came as a, a mutual agreement as to how many staff would be required in order to provide safe care for that day, and that was an agreement so that the girls who who went to work that day felt that they were still supporting their colleagues on the picket lines. High derogation worked for district nursing was we on a christmas day across two caseloads there would be one member of staff covering the calls on that day and we would be looking at urgent calls only calls that couldn't wait when we were derogating we had one member of staff and she covered the calls for that day and the other members went to the picket line but it was on the understanding that we were we were still a united team that somebody hadn't stepped out which was very, very important to the girls. And it was also, it turned out to be more important for our patients than what we had thought. There was always that fear of the public. What will the response be? How will they react to this? And there was a lot of talk and there was a lot of media and not all of the information that was being shared was as correct as what it could possibly have been. So when my colleague was derogated for the first day, she went off to do her calls and she went into the first house and the wee lady was horrified to see her. And she was like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You should be on the picket line. Maria had had to explain to her what derogation was. But our patients expected us to get them a better system. Our patients expected us to do that. They did not expect us to turn into work, which we did not see we did not see that at all. And that was very, it was it was lovely to see it, w- it. It drove us on. It made us believe we were doing the right thing. But I was derogated then on the second day of the strike. And I was saying, I need a badge. I need something that says I'm derogated because they're not going to let me into their houses if they think I'm not on. That was lovely. It was lovely to see that. We didn't expect that.
0: Edna, you've talked about derogation for yourself as a district nurse. But I guess what is complicated then in, you know, if you think about an acute trust, then there would need to be derogation agreements made, I guess, for every single department or ward. Yeah. The RCM members went
1: to the managers within the hospitals, within the clinics, within all of the areas um and they had the conversation of what would be safe and then the agreement was with the number of staff and then staff put themselves forward for whichever days and whichever shifts were deemed to be necessary to be covered but yes that was that was a consultation that was an agreement that was put in place above us in in managerial um terms but then the decision as to who actually did the derogation sat within the teams on the wards in theatres in A and E. You know the the decision that A and E needed a certain amount of skill mix in order to cover that day. That agreement was put in place, and then the team decided what skill mix was going in. My understanding of that, Rachel, is that that happened across every clinic, yeah. And that was prolonged periods
0: of of talk, and that got that, but safety was paramount with that, yeah. And I really complex procedure for both the RCN or or members and and management to to work together on that. Did you have any concerns about how patients would be kept safe in in hospital? I think we
1: all had concerns, but then the concerns were there before the ballot was taken. Mm. That's why we were on strike, because the concerns and the risks were already
2: there. The reason for the ballot and the strike was to try and make change. So you've talked about the response to patients that were um, specifically known to you within the team. But was that the feeling, do you think, about patients and the public more widely across Northern Ireland? I think if you
1: had seen what we saw on the picket lines, we were fed takeaway coffees. They provided pizzas. They brought us buns. They, they came and stood with us. They you know contacted us. Do you need anything? The first day of the strike action, it absolutely poured out of the skies. It was raining like you would not believe, and so many people came to check were we okay? You know did we need anything and there was just a constant flow of food of warm drinks of people, cars driving past you know people stopping and and coming out to speak to us or tooting the horn on the way past. It was absolutely unbelievable to see the amount of support that the public gave us on the picket lines and, and throughout the whole of it. They knew what we were trying to do was to benefit them.
0: Caroline, I know that this whole question of industrial action is something that you've thought about a lot. And one of the things that I'm sure all nurses think about, may be concerned about, is whether industrial action and going on strike is compatible with our Nursing and Midwifery Council code, um, compatible with our own professional practice.
2: Yeah, I I guess there's there's two parts to my answer, Rachel. The first one is the... NMC's perspective around taking any kind of industrial action and and in fact from an NMC's perspective nurses midwives and nursing associates do have a right to take part in industrial action and indeed do have the right to take strike action but as registrants it's really important for us all to remember that if we do engage in any kind of industrial action we still have to continue to abide by the NMC Code and also by RCN policy at all times. So that means that during a period of industrial action, some nurses w- will not be working and others, just as Edna has described, as was the case in Northern Ireland, although they're supportive of the strike, they will need to work in order to comply with the agreed derogation. So they need to fulfil nursing obligations where a service is deemed to be safety critical. And just as Edna has described, Local consultation would take place between the RCN, between managers in each of the clinical areas to ensure that patient safety is not compromised at any time during that period of industrial action. I guess that from a personal perspective, voting for strike action is a huge decision. And we heard from Edna saying exactly how difficult it was. And that, in fact, there were tears from her and our colleagues on the days that um, leading up to the strike and the first day of the strike. And I can completely understand that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will feel a resonance with those type of feelings. I certainly have struggled personally with the whole concept of striking. But I feel very reassured that industrial action decisions are being taken for the right reasons. And Edna described the lead up to the lack of staffing in Northern Ireland that was one of the key figures. And I'm very heartened that the RCN have a clear emphasis that the campaign is about maintaining patient safety. Nursing is the largest safety critical profession in health and social care, but we've currently got over 46,000 nursing workforce vacancies across the UK. And there's an absolute need for us at this time to protect our profession. And we can only do that by ensuring that we have safe numbers of staffing in the future. And I do feel very, very strongly that to achieve this, there are lots of contributing factors, but one of the absolute key factors is that if we don't pay nurses fairly, we are never going to get to the position whereby we have the right number of nurses to look after our patients to provide
0: the care that they need. Edna was so concerns about um, NMC and people thinking about their re- registration. Is that something that you heard from colleagues, something that people needed assurance on? I think because there was
1: communication on the build up to this, you know, there was a lot of information, Sharon. So we were reassured. Any questions that we had, we were being reassured. And as Carolyn said, you know, the NMC Code of Conduct, We once we knew that, that the, we were upholding that, yes, we knew how to be professionals. We knew how people were perceiving us. We knew how to behave on the picket lines. We were supported with all of that. But yes, the professionalism of nursing had to be upheld in the middle of a strike. We knew that. We were supported with that. And, and any questions we had we were
2: advised correctly. So when you were actually standing there in the middle of winter with your colleagues, firstly, what was the atmosphere like? So you've talked about how the patients had perceived your actions, but what was it like to be stood there? And the second thing that I'd want to know is, was there any negative comments or negative feelings from colleagues who had not come out on strike? The feeling on the picket lines, Carolyn, was
1: how did we get to be here and mm-hmm. and and then you looked round and you saw the very strong workforce united nursing families standing around you and you saw the general public coming up what wrapped up for the weather prepared and prepared to come and support us they came prepared to support us we got chatting to our work colleagues that we don't normally see we're, we're quite isolated out in community sometimes so we got chatting um to our work colleagues in all the different areas and we learned from each other and we leaned on each other and and there was a huge outpouring of support and love for each other and it united nurses like you would not believe so that was a real it was a bonding it was supporting and it, it, it was a sharing of kindness and generosity and all of those lovely feelings on what was such a horrible place to be. The public were giving us stories of, of family members who had maybe died and, and they wanted to come and share those stories with us and, and, and thank us for what we did. So there was healing and the the story of, of the father who joined the girls in Belfast on the picket line, his daughter had just died. And he people were thinking, oh, my goodness, he will be so cross at nurses going out and strike when he, he literally turned up and he says, I'm here to support you. You did your best for my daughter. I understand now, you know, what was going on at that time. So that was... It really was like being in a parallel planet, standing on a picket line as a nurse. It was never something I ever believed I would be be saying or, or having to do. But it really was a very, very positive place to be. Cold, but positive. If you asked anybody who was on the picket line, the first thing they'll say is rain. Negativity was not something I saw a lot of, but yes, there were some nurses who felt that they just could not stand on a picket line. Now the option for them was to be derogated then and, and still support us. So while there was people struggled greatly with actually being on a picket line, there was an option for them to still support. But yes, there was probably not at the level where people were frontline workers because we needed change. So we felt this was positive. The negativity maybe was from more senior members of management, who thought this was just not something that was going to solve the problems. But then they hadn't got a solution for the problems either. It was from from staff
2: who were frontline workers. Um, Carlin, I didn't see a lot of negativity. No. I think that a lot of what you've said to us today, Edna, will be massively reassuring to those people who are struggling with their feelings around, yes, the need to strike, but actually taking that step to support industrial action. I couldn't imagine anybody
1: going into this feeling anything other than absolutely terrified and worried and stressful i can't imagine anybody going into that feeling any differently that's completely normal to feel that way but i can tell you from my experience that it is humbling to see just how strong nurses can be when they unite and how supportive they are and also i would be very much saying do not preempt what the public are going to do, because you will be surprised. Because I know
0: we certainly were. And Edna, what was the outcome of the the strike action for for those who are perhaps less familiar with the situation? We got pay
1: parity. We got well. First of all, we got the government back in sitting. We got um, the elective members back in in a sitting government here in Northern Ireland. In Stormont, we got so nurses have the strength and ability to do that. So we got them back in to make the decisions and and put things into place. We got pay parity for the staff in Northern Ireland. We got the conversation about safe staffing levels. That is ongoing at the minute. We got um, an increase
0: in the nursing places so that we could generate a workforce. Edna, what would you say to your fellow RCN members across the UK who are currently considering whether to vote for strike action? I think what we learned was in order to
1: bring about change, we have to be that voice and we have to be united. There is strength in numbers. We know that. So if we want to bring about change, this is an option. And as a, a nurse who has stood on a picket line here in Northern Ireland, we, we, we did that. Nobody, you know, nobody believed it would happen. It did happen. It was successful. We have learned from that. We have a voice. Nursing has a voice. We need to use that voice. And we need to present
0: as a united front. And we need the numbers to do that. Edna, it's been wonderful talking to you today. And we've reached the end of the podcast. But we'll be back again soon as we continue to explore these really important issues around nursing pay, that critical link with safe staffing and patient safety, and the potential impact of nurses taking industrial action. But for this week, thanks to our special guest, Edna Grant. Edna, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rachel. And thanks to my co-host, Carolyn Middleton.
2: Thank you, Rachel. It's been a pleasure to be involved in such an important
0: podcast. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.